and then they said, oh, you know something about this uh, this culture? Uh, could you help us organize a shooting and uh, like uh, help us find some people we could interview for that story? And I said, of course, yes, I can uh, I can do it. And it was a very famous uh, German television channel. And from that, I did the job and they were satisfied. So they recommended me to other production companies in Germany. That's where it started. So now we get regular requests for uh, from German magazines or television. You're listening to the Live, Work, Play Japan podcast, where we talk to the most inspiring teachers, freelancers, and entrepreneurs in Japan, so you can learn the secrets of their success. In this podcast, I'll be talking with Tristan Juncker, who's turned his love of Japanese culture into a lifestyle. Now he's living in Japan and working on his websites, as well as his digital marketing company. And in this podcast, he's going to share with us how he's built a life in Japan by following his passions. Yeah, so basically, I'm from Germany, from Düsseldorf, Germany. And mm-hmm. Düsseldorf is a place um, in Europe where a lot of Japanese people live and work. It's mm-hmm. the second biggest um, community of Japanese people in Europe. And back in Germany, I after the earthquake, I decided to do something and support Japan way I, in the best way I could at that time. And together with a friend, we thought of a project and we called it Amazing Japan. So we oh. traveled through Japan uh, in that year and we took a lot of pictures and created a calendar to show the beauty of Japan. And at the same time, we also created our Facebook page and website to yeah inform people about yeah what's amazing about Japan and why this, that, which are the reasons to go and visit Japan. And in Germany, there are, I mean, in Europe, or of course around the world, but in Germany, there are a lot of events promoting Japanese culture. Mm-hmm. So there are many like uh, events to where people can go and inform themselves about Japanese culture and people can exhibit. So there's one very big event. It's called uh, uh, Japan Day in mm-hmm. Düsseldorf and around 700,000 people go there each year so it's oh, like wow. a one day event yeah it's really huge so the whole like everyone in the city and from all cities around even from different countries people gather and there's always a concert and a lot of booths Japanese food uh, half of the booths are informational booths so a lot of Japanese prefecture exhibit there a lot of Japanese companies and we were in charge of the pop culture booths for about f- four to five years now Oh, and, wow, very cool. Yeah, we always invited some guests, like some uh, artists and illustrators, some cosplayers, and some local, maybe mangaka, and also created projects together with them. Like, we created some, uh, like, manga contest illustration calendars, and then we also did, for example, a manga about ramen. So we, did, we thought about <laughs> what's the best way to, yeah, bring... Japanese culture closer to people who are interested mainly into pop culture. So we thought, okay, mm-hmm. let's start with food then. And how could we make food appealing to them? Okay, let's make a manga about ramen. So that was the idea. That's so, really cool. And, <laughs> and I think um, I would re- have really loved that in England because there wasn't really, um, maybe there are some things in London, but before yeah. I moved to Japan, I never saw any of that kind of stuff. So that's a really cool way to introduce people to Japan. 
yeah, we thought that might be a great way. So London, London is the biggest community, right, for Japanese people in Europe. Yeah, I, I, it's funny because there are, um, I think near Piccadilly Circus and there's, I remember a street that has a lot of um, Japanese shops on it. And I remember going yes. in there and seeing all the different Japanese sweets and things like that. There's yeah. a few like ramen shops and there's a sushi place. But I mean, they're, they're incredibly expensive. It's so crazy to, to have food in Japan. It's like ramen in England costs maybe about... 12 or 15 pounds or something yes. i'm not sure about now i haven't been i haven't been there since um since before i moved to japan about six years ago oh i'm sure it's more expensive now but i remember buying a bowl of ramen for like 14 pounds or something which is about well. nisen yen <laughs> and i think 2000 yen for a bowl of ramen people in japan would be like that would be that better be the best <laughs> ramen you've ever had in your life you know yes. yeah the same the same goes for Düsseldorf. like there's a street and some people on the internet they call it little tokyo in Germany, and oh, really? it's actually a whole street, and you have about three to four supermarkets selling Japanese um, Japanese ingredients, and then you have two very famous and popular ramen shops, and they are run by Japanese people, and also a lot of customers um, from Japan, and I, I mean, it's so popular that even people in Germany line up. So, oh, wow. Like ramen, and Germans won't line up for anything. <laughs> yes, they won't. Usually they would never line up for anything. But for that ramen, everyone is lining up. Having lived you know, lived in Dusseldorf, was that something that made you think, oh, I really want to go to Japan or I really want to live in Japan? Yes, I think they had a very huge influence. So since I can remember when I was in, in, uh, in high school, like I was visiting the Japanese district once a week and having Japanese food visiting Japanese stores, reading Japanese magazines, or at that time trying to read some Japanese magazines. And I got so fascinated by everything there. So I think the first present I can remember getting was a Super Nintendo console when I was about five, six years old, and I was playing every day. And then at one day I was asking my parents, where, where does this come from, this 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 cool technology and my parents said oh it's from japan and since then i thought <laughs> yeah japan is the coolest place and so i started learning japanese in high school and i got the chance to make a, a student's exchange in saitama at a high school in saitama for about two weeks and yeah at that time it was nine years ago and at that time i decided yes one day i want to live here and then i studied japanese studies as well at uh, the University in Vienna in Austria. And during my studying time, I went to Hosei University for one year. And I think that one year was very important, uh, not just for my decision to decide to live in Japan in the future, but also about like starting my business in Japan and like really moving here and starting building something. Because during that year, I mean, I was at university, but I had so much free time. Um, mm. Due to we had a we had like a ryokan where we could live like a place to stay, and uh, thanks to the scholarship we had a lot of freedom, and I visited so many events and I could meet so many people, and yeah it was a great opportunity to mm. yeah kickstart. So tell us a little bit about the businesses and websites that you operate in Japan. Yes, so basically our business is called Kabushiki Gaisha Kaikoku. And we choose the name Kaikoku because it has a little Japanese history that Japan opened uh, to the world. And so we wrote it in Katakana for our company name. And what we want to do with Kaikoku is in general, uh, yeah, bring Japan outside of Japan and connect Japan with the world. Mm -hmm. So that's the whole mission and vision. 
So that's the reason why we named it like this. And under Kaikoku, we run mainly what our business is focusing mostly on. We run two media websites. So one of them is called Around Akiba, which we are focusing strongly on right now. So we basically promote Japanese man- like otaku culture, pop culture, like for example, anime, games, manga, idols, all the cu- culture around Akihabara. And so that's also where some of our clients are based in which industry some of our clients are based in mm-hmm. and we also run a website and we're actually renewing the website as well it's called amazing japan so amazing japan is a shall, shall be a platform where people in japan can share the experiences in japan so we want to go more into traditional experiences and for example like onsen or food and uh, travel and culture maybe mm-hmm. some events we will feature on the website. And what we also want to build with Amazing Japan is a platform for traditional Japanese artists to display their work and oh, what fantastic. they do in Japan. So through our some of our partners, we are connected with a lot of Japanese traditional craftsmen and really want to give them a platform to share what they do and feature them on our website so their work will not get forgotten. Yeah. When did you start your business here and and what was your um, process sort of going into that? Yeah, so it's the first time I I ever got involved with doing like my own business was back in Germany, I think, when we created the Amazing Japan project. So during that time, we had actually a small company in Germany called Amazing Japan. Um, It's a geoge. It's like a small company entity. And with that company, we basically, we invited guests over to Germany and we had booths and created our own little products and sold them. And when I went to Japan, I thought that, yeah, I I, I should still do something. I really want to live in Japan and I won't be able to maybe keep running the company in Germany. So how about we, we build a media company and I want to still promote Japanese culture and also interview a lot of people uh, travel around and also what what I thought would be a good idea would be to with our experience of uh, promoting Japan and Japanese culture also helping different Japanese companies promoting their products and services abroad through oh. social media and together with influencers so with our experience of inviting uh, famous for example artists to Germany we thought yeah mm. that's great to use our experience with that and support Japanese companies middle side mainly middle-sized companies who might struggle mm. to promote their products and services abroad too. Yeah. yeah. Mm, and a lot of those kind okay. of companies, they they can be kind of backwards in their marketing uh, efforts. They don't necessarily know that social media is probably one of the easiest ways to reach your customers. And so they're you know still struggling with traditional marketing methods like putting yes. ads on TV that are just prohibitively expensive. So uh, yeah, I think that's one way that foreigners can really help in Japan and do something to help Japanese companies um, yes. is to do some uh, and things like social media technology. Um, yeah, I think that's a really interesting way to sort of apply your skills here. Yeah, I think even I would go so far to say at, right now, it might be the only way for most companies in Japan, for all the middle-sized companies to promote themselves outside of Japan. Mm. Like if, if they are a big major company, still they have enough budget to ev- outsource everything and maybe like of course pay different marketing companies abroad go into television or like collaborate with hollywood stars or sports people but for middle-sized companies uh, they might have never had the chance before to really promote themselves i think that there's 
big opportunity to support them. Yeah. Mm. So uh, your company helps mid-sized Japanese companies with um, with social media marketing or digital marketing. And so I- I'm wondering, like, what? Uh, how do you present yourself to these Japanese companies? So presumably, maybe you speak Japanese, or you have someone on your team who can speak Japanese. Yes. So. Like of course I have one uh, I have Japanese people working together with me like my co-founder was also Japanese and we have Japanese people to support us on a freelance basis for different project but uh, of course I try to learn as much Japanese as I can so I'm able to send mails in Japanese uh, polite mm. mails and use Sonkego to mm. um, yeah speak Japanese on a business level and I was also working for different companies to uh, sharpen my Japanese skills, but still, uh, it's still difficult. I mean, even no matter how good your Japanese are, it's still difficult to be speak in a polite way, polite way which applies to business. And also, mm-hmm. it's not, it's not just a language; it's also how you write, how you communicate, in which like um, it's it's so different from other countries. I mean, it's of course different in each country, but I think that in Japan, there's also a special skill you need, which which is internet like intercultural communication or competence mm-hmm. that you actually not just uh, writing as I say like not just speaking and writing Japanese but also behaving Japanese in certain behavior also in business in Japan it's all about the shinrai so mm-hmm. I think that really Japanese companies they want to they need that your trust and of course if you say you're a foreigner running a company and they are First, they want to know, okay, so what company is it? Uh, who did you work with before? And they they really want a lot of back, uh, background information to create a business relationship with you. Mm-hmm. So it's good to start some projects, maybe on your own, get involved in different projects, help up. At the first time, I would say even go so far as to just offer Japanese companies to help them for, for free or just support them for the first project and mm-hmm. then get well with them and then from there maybe uh kind of go into a business relationship and if you're good then they might recommend you to other companies and their their um, partner companies so it's all a project about a uh, process about recommendation and creating a portfolio and mm. uh yeah a network of trust yeah yeah and maybe in the beginning when you don't have much of a re- reputation people don't yes. know who you are they it's very hard for them to have like what you said like shindai like that trust yes. in you um so and one of the things that we always recommend um on live work play japan is that when people are choosing to do uh freelance work or even their own businesses and they're choosing to do some work for free to improve their portfolio yes. always choose the kind of work that you want to have in your portfolio don't yes. just do free work to get any old of experience course. Yeah, you want to be picking and choosing like, well, this project sounds really cool and this would be a really big boost for my company's reputation So, or my freelancing career. So yes. pick something that you really want to do. Don't just t- accept any old work. Yeah, definitely. I would I would even say or go as far to say it's never for free, actually. I mean, you get you still get something for your portfolio, which mm-hmm. is very important, which can be an asset on the long term. It's a big asset for the portfolio to if you go to other companies and tell them, hey, you actually worked for this company or did this project, which which fits perfectly with, with what other uh, what you want to do with your company. Yeah. Then you can say when you're talking to them, like this is the kind of experience that we have. 
Um, and is, so that's the kind of way that I guess you can start when you're growing your business, like doing some freelance work. But how did you start to grow it into something where you can start charging the kind of money you want to charge? And, uh, yes. you know, what kind of things worked in terms of getting the word out to other people? Yes. So actually, with our business now, we don't just have uh, Japanese customers, but also international customers. A lot of them are from Germany. And I think um, it's really important to build your net portfolio and it might take some time. So, of course, your company's web website is also very important, but also um, who you work together with, who you, how should I say, um, what, you, what you put in the internet about your work. So I think, for example, it was like in Germany, uh, I, I get some requests from German media which want to shoot do shootings in japan and cover certain stories in japan oh very cool and they the first time they found me was basically through they saw me on some there was an article a friend created in some uh, cosplay studio in in uh, japan and i i was also featured in it and i was like a co-organizer uh, of the event and then they said oh you know something about this uh, this culture uh, could you help us organize a shooting and like uh, help us find some people we could interview in, for that story and i said of course yes i can uh, i can do it and it was a very famous uh, german television channel and from that i did the job and they were satisfied so they recommended me to other production companies in germany and mm. that's where it started so now we get regular requests for uh, from german magazines or television and on the japanese side i think it was also i i always went with the um, with the strategy that, of course, we, we want to promote Japanese culture and that's what we love to do and that's what we want to do. So we all, always try to go to interesting events and tell them that, um, yeah, we, we would like to cover your story and publish it in English and make it international and also share it on our social media. And, of course, we, we won't charge anything, but please, uh, if possible, could we join your event and do, do a report and interview people and is that okay? And usually, I mean, most most students say sure, and they want some papers, they they want some more information. But if you go to a lot of places and um, they they think, oh, that's interesting, like he actually came, or he and his team actually came, and they made a video about our event or our let's say artist and mm -hmm. uh, wrote about it, then they will actually say like, oh, by the way, there's also this event. And uh, we could introduce you to this person, and that's how like relationship relationships start. Yeah, you can always go out to those kind of events, and you can meet new people. And even if you don't necessarily make money from every event that you go to, and you don't necessarily have, uh, you know, you don't necessarily always find a great relationship from every event. The more yes. of them that you go to, the more people you'll meet, and the more connections you'll be able to make. Yes, and it's really important to make the right connection, of course, which which fall into your business category okay there's this um this event for different restaurants exhibit their latest uh let's say dishes and then one of the restaurants says oh uh oh you are making a report about our this event oh by the way we we um like our website or our like facebook is still not in english could you help us uh find somebody to translate everything or maybe do you have somebody in your team who could actually make postings daily on our site and uh, translate and help us manage and promote our our yeah our restaurant to a mm. english-speaking audience and then then that's how like a, like a job offer um generates like freelance right. work 
Yeah, it's crazy how easy it is to find some of those opportunities when you're really looking for it and you know how to look. You know, you find a company that you've talked to, you've met someone there, and you look at their website and you're like, there's no English option on this website. Or you look at their Facebook page and like, what do you, your Facebook, you don't post anything to engage with your audience or to to get people to see your your products or your restaurant or whatever it is that they're selling and you're thinking like this is a huge missed opportunity like we can help you make money and that that's the thing is that if you are positioning yourself as someone who can help them make more money it's not that you don't have to sell that hard you can just say like you can make more money doing this like we can help you do that and then it's almost like just that uh connection alone can really help you get a, a new client yes definitely like there's of course many different ways to look for customers in whatever um, segment or whatever your business wants wants to do. I think there's like for example, also the way as as you just mentioned, you can check their website or let's say their Instagram account or Facebook account and then uh, go to it and just leave a message and say like, hey, um, that's great. Or if Maybe they have only content in Japanese, so you contact them in Japanese and say uh, that you really enjoy the content. But like some of your friends from from England, they're also asking, "Hey, um, I really would like to read and understand everything which mm-hmm. which they post, but then they don't have anything in English." And then they would say, "Oh, oh, yeah, um, but how how can we do it? How, how Mac? Do you know anybody who could uh, help us with that?" And then you say, "Sure, like I can help you." <laughs> mm. that's yeah, that's awesome. really. Yeah. That's really good. Um, and it's it's really good to be able to find people like that and actually be able to help them. Uh, so yes. I'm, I'm wondering then, so what have been some of the things as you've been building your business yes. in Japan, as you've been connecting with all these companies, what have been some of the struggles that have been really difficult for you, whether it's uh, Japanese culture or whether it's the work that you've been doing or something that's happened within your company? Like what are some of the, the biggest difficulties you've had? Yeah, I think the biggest difficulty, the biggest difficulties of course i think the start is always the most difficult and like during the first few years or like building your business it's very difficult to first as i mentioned that like building a network of trust with different people and in japan or in any other country and also um, with businesses and i think building a first portfolio and finding the right connections to um yeah, start your business with. That's the most uh, difficult thing in the, in the beginning. And also, I mean, in Japan, it's also, I would say that business expect different, uh, a different process than companies like other companies, maybe from the United States or from Europe. Like there's a different process of how you do business. So it's a lot about, um, of course, trust is very important, but also a lot of people might know, but like business cards are very important in Japan. Oh, yes. So, for example, <laughs> you exchange business cards, and let's say you exchange a lot of business cards at that day, and you think like, okay, um, I don't know, like, I don't know, like, who to contact, and maybe right now I, I don't know what really to offer them, and um, okay, let's let's when I have a, like a, a big good idea or something we can we could collaborate on, I will send them a message. But then that that might be already too late. They might then if you send them a message a few months 
after that they might say oh um who was that person again ah, ah i don't know so it's really important to catch up as fast as possible it's some that's some really good advice for especially people running businesses but even people freelancing in japan is that it's really important communication to follow yes. up with people so um what other advice would you give for you know entrepreneurs or freelancers in japan to help them Uh, get people to talk about their business or to improve their connection with their clients? Yeah, definitely. I mean, there are so many great events, I think, so many great opportunities to get to know people. And yeah, of course, it's it's always great to maybe extend uh, one's horizon. So, I mean, even if the event is not directly related to your business, maybe in some way it might be interesting or widen your horizon. Okay, so um, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. And um, can you tell us where we can reach you, where we can find out about uh, your business and your other websites and the things that you've been doing? Yeah, sure. Thank you very much for having me. So our company is called Kabushiki Gasha Kaikoku, and we have a website called kaikoku.co.jp. We're still working on it. It's still under construction, but it should be up and running very soon. And then we also have our media sites, which are around Akiba, where we promote Japanese pop culture, such as anime, manga, games, uh, all all the culture around Akihabara. So if you're interested in that, please check it out. And also our uh, website and uh, news platform, Amazing Japan, where we are sharing Japanese culture. 